Before we begin today's episode, we want to take a moment for Alex Paul, whose passing last week has been devastating to the skating world and all who knew her. Alex was an ice dancer and an Olympian, but losing who she was off the ice is a much greater tragedy. She brought joy and light to a world that doesn't have enough of those things. She was thriving in her post-skating life as a new lawyer, wife to Mitch, and mom to baby Charlie. We know that a lot of you are mourning, and we just want you to know that we are too. We loved Alex, and we're absolutely heartbroken. We're sending all our support to Charlie and Mitch, and we hope that you'll donate to the GoFundMe that's been set up to support them if you're able to. We'll have a link to it in the description of this episode. It's already raised six times its original goal. That's a testament to the depths of Alex's impact on those around her. The skating community always stands together in difficult moments, and this is one of the hardest moments we can remember. We'll miss you, Alex. Thank you for the light you added to our lives. everybody welcome back to the run through the figure skating podcast where we talk about all the things that make us kiss and make us cry i am only just one of your hosts adam rapon i am also only but one of your hosts ashley wagner and today as always we are joined by our one and only not olympic champion sarah hughes sarah welcome back to the pod Thank you, as usual. Thanks for having me, as always, as your free laborer (laughs) of editing and producing. It's our favorite price of labor, free. (laughs) Free. Can't beat free. That's so true. Sarah, I've also heard that, um, is it called like a moniker? Like a nickname? Uh, Yeah. Yeah? What? I've heard that non-Olympic champion has kind of stuck. You've had some... Um, in the wild sightings and people yes. asking if you really are not an Olympic champion. That's true. People ask me that all the time. They're like, so are you that girl who didn't win the Olympics? This sounds like a joke, but it isn't. I was in the presence of a lot of figure skating adjacent people this week. And Sarah several... was at champs camp. Right. Yeah, I was. So if you hear the rasp in her voice, she has been in Las Vegas for the last. <laughs> Who too, knows? It's a dark hole long. when you go to Vegas. Yeah. That's so thirty-six you hours. You can be there for one hour, and your body feels like one week. You could be there for one hour, and you come back and check the date on your calendar, and it's the year twenty forty. Like you have That's no true. idea. It's yeah. you've lost time. You've lost yeah. time. I've lost a lot of time, but I've gained a lot of fans because multiple <laughs> people asked me, "Are you not Olympic champion, Sarah Hughes?" That's gotta feel good. Yeah. Oh, it feels Congrats. really good to continuously tell people, "Yep, never achieved anything." As you sit uh, with an Emmy behind sits. you. There's an Emmy behind you. 
There is an Emmy behind her. There is also a white refrigerator, though. So it is. (laughs) Which, by the way, yeah, my friend in Atlanta, Stephen, who you both know, um, his housewarming gift to me was a magnet that has Nene Leakes' face on it that says, oh, no, not a white refrigerator. (laughs) It's so. You've beat. Everyone to the punch, which is really important. Wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait. And here I was thinking you were going to tell me that he gave you white refrigerator. Okay, but so. speaking of accomplishments, there's an extra degree on this call, Ashley. Oh, College yes, educated yes. woman. I'm a learned woman. <laughs> and I am about to fuck up the minds of the people <laughs> left and right. Just kidding. I'm actually not qualified in any way, shape, or form to practice therapy, but I'm yet. applying to graduate school yet. I'm a, I'm just going to keep I on going. That's right what we were doing on this podcast. Yeah, well, it's a therapy session. It is. This is absolutely <laughs> therapy. Um, I will bill you later for these hours. Thank you. That being said, I've been trying to send my <laughs> really bill over cool. to you guys and it's just not working. We're not getting I've, it, but you will get no. Ashley's. <laughs> You'll end up owing money before you get paid to do this. Um, But wait, I guess we have another accomplishment that has to be acknowledged. We We have the brightest star (laughs) in the universe, Adam. Uh, Yeah, I I am the brightest star in the entire universe legally. Um, I did win Stars on Mars. As as legally feel? announced by a patch inside a plastic case. Absolutely. And that's actually, you know, it, it feels amazing. It feels less important than uh, being a future mother and getting a degree from a school and learning and using your mind. Um, I'm very proud. <laughs> I'd but say it is. It, it is. You know what? <laughs> call a spade Let's a spade. say with some conviction, Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was really, I'm really happy. It was really fun. I met a lot of really great people. Um, but you know, Ashley, it's a, it's a skating podcast. So I do want to turn it back to you and just say that from me to you, I am so proud of you of all the things that you're doing post skating career. You're about to be a mother. You went back to school. That is so hard to do and you're doing it. You're really, you're really doing it. You're killing it. So we, me and Sarah are both really, really proud of you. My, we are. Uh, my, my hormones right now are too um, high. <laughs> I think is the the scientific term. High for this this sweet talk. Ashley is high. Um, yes, They're, she's too no, high. I'm, actually. <laughs> I'm on cloud nine, guys. Um, shoot, I had actually the perfect segue. Um, because we said some, oh, cause you had to like own up to your accomplishment and say it with conviction. I was going to say, speaking of people who say things with conviction, we have a really exciting guest planned today. A convicted us- criminal. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so true, the true real OG skating fans will know exactly who this person is and we're we're excited to have him. He is a man with many thoughts. Mm-hmm. Many words. Many words. Many he words and them thoughts. Together professionally, actually, and then publishes them in places like the Chicago Tribune. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is this ringing any bells to any of the listeners? Because um, to the skaters, this might send you shivering. 
that you yeah. have an interview set up with this very famous, very illustrious writer, journalist, father. He's a father, right? Yes, he is. He is. He is yes. because I shared a car ride with him once and I thought that it was going to like curry some favor um, because we'd like chatted for a while because we got stuck in traffic. And I believe he has a son who um, is in the music industry in some way, shape or form. And went to school with Raphael's son. There Did, we go. Yes, that is yes. true. Obviously, yeah. Ashley, who are we talking about? Okay. Everyone, if you haven't guessed already, it is the beloved Phil Hirsch joining us today, and we will be breaking down his hot takes because the man has plenty to spare, Um, and he reached out to me recently after I brought up the hot topic Mm -hmm. of music that should be banned, and so we know he's coming in ready to tell the world what he thinks. And and we want to hear it. Really excited. We want to hear what he what he thinks and what he doesn't think. We want to hear that all, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let us welcome. How are you, Phil? Welcome. Thank you. I'm great, Adam. Thank you for asking. Um, I see you're not wearing our twin glasses. I'm not. I decided that I want you to shine. I know that this is kind of <laughs> audio only, but in the visual perspective, I want all eyes of these Zoom boxes. I want them all on you right now because this is this Thank is you, we finally get to turn the tables on you. We're interviewing you. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm ready for it. <laughs> we are. We're so excited to have you. And I was saying earlier, Phil, that you reached out to me after I posted on Instagram about pieces of skating music that need to be officially retired slash banned and a couple minutes later i get a text from you just mentioning that you have some thoughts so i think we should really just get this kicked off right away Mm -hmm. let us know what pieces of music in figure skating do you feel like need to go well i think some should go because they are sig- so so signature a piece with a particular person like bolero mm-hmm. and Roland Dean. once that once they did it nobody's going to do it better just take that off the table obviously a million boleros since then i mean carmen also is ridiculous um how many times it's overused uh, we had three carmens in the 1988 olympics in the free in the women's free skate so you know there's one um uh there are a lot. There are a lot of popular songs that are that are overused now. Um, Rachmaninoff's Second Piano Concerto, beautiful piece of music, too many times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, let me. I'm trying to think of some of the. Um, I, there are even are a couple you, of that. Do you think that Bolero, aided by heart medication, is better <laughs> or worse? I mean, actually, I thought her. I'm not sure when she started taking the heart medication because it was getting better over the season. So. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been the heart medication. Could have been the heart medication, yeah, because that's a you know that's a very hard tempo to keep up with. So um, could have helped that endurance. Yeah, it um, feels more heart medication than it does the spirit of skating. I just that's so I am thinking it's more of a medical intervention. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean yeah, certainly that certainly could be. I mean you all know what a Red Bull can do when you're trying to get moving. <laughs> and, play, so. and that's what I do when I'm feeling sick. I just have a Red Bull, so I do know what it can do. <laughs> Um, the, uh, the Annie Lennox song, the Eurythmics song, um, uh, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, I love the song. 
I yeah. know you've seen to it. Enough. Enough Are you worried going into an 80s rhythm dance season that we're going to hear approximately 6,000 Sweet Dreams iterations? I am. You know, it, it, that's the trouble. I mean, you know, people, I listen to classical music almost all day long. And I must admit, my knowledge of contemporary pop music is terrible. I sort of ended with the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. And I'm getting a little bit into Taylor Swift, who's a bleeping genius. Um, although I wish... You can hear, I wish on her, in a lot of her recordings, you can hear what she's, you can hear the lyrics because she's an incredible songwriter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they're kind of overproduced. But anyway. Um, I think you I need just... to talk to Jack Antonoff about that. I, we can't help with the overproduction, <laughs> but we wish we could. We'll put in a good word though. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I, I just think that, um, that uh, I would either ban the music completely or else say, if you want to, use this skate to this you're going to start with a grade two points lower on the on the on the artistic so side. we're we're hitting them where it hurts where you're hit, exactly i mean I'm, <laughs> in the oh, I, I was saying i listen to so much classical music and i'm always in the and when i'm in the car or listening on sirius or yeah. something i'm always thinking how could i cut that to make that a skating program how could i cut right. that mm -hmm. to and there are approximately 62 billion pieces of music that you could use just from the classical repertory. And that doesn't even count popular songs. Um, mm -hmm. And I love a lot of popular songs and, and not, and, and older songs too. Um, so, but, but, you know, they're quite, um, I'd let, but one of the things that has always struck me about skaters and music and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is that not a lot of skaters really know much about music or about music theory. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the two that, you know, they're basically two basic parts of music and makes us oversimplify this dramatically. You've got tempo, which is speed, mm -hmm. and you've got dynamics, which is the level of sound. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I just don't, I, I've always joked that I think a lot of skaters, you could play trash bands, trash cans being banged, and they would skate to that and not care, that they would just do the elements. And you, Adam, actually told me at one point, when we were talking about the new scoring system, that every program looks the same, you know, jump, jump, spin, spin, jump, jump, spin, jump, or something. Yes, something to that. totally. And, and yeah. I, but what I, what's always struck me about, about skaters, um, and even the ones more power to the ones like you, both of you who are able to carry something off artistically, I don't know what your musical training is, but you've somehow been able to understand body movement and tempo mm -hmm. dynamics enough to hit the right note at the right time. When you choreograph, can you choreograph almost anything? Or, uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. I uh, honestly, I when I'm choreographing something, it just depends on like what the skater can do and and what are they good at mm -hmm. and how do you make it fit to the music. A lot of times, though, I will tell you that some of the best skaters I've worked with, um, have no concept of they wouldn't even know if I turned the music off. It they they yeah. they really wouldn't which is so crazy yeah. like they don't feel That's what it. i said about banging trash cans right i mean yeah the, and i i i spoke to a very well-known skater who, and that skater told me that the program was a, an orchestral version of something when it was actually just two instruments oh no um so, um, so yeah i mean it's it's always but i often thought that if i were going to make skating more appealing artistically I would have with the ability with iPhone with ear AirPods or AirBuds mm -hmm. or and and phones and stuff. I would have skaters skate, just do laps with a metronome, 
beating a beat in their ear mm -hmm. so that you could change the tempo and they would then be able to understand, well, now I have to move faster. Now I have to move slower. Um, you know, have somebody telling them now it's 120 beats, 120 beats per minute for a quarter note. Now it's 140 beats for a quarter note. Now it's 80 beats per, for a quarter note. Um, yeah. And those skaters who are able to pull this off and, and, you know, particularly as the, as the technical part of it has got impossible. Yeah. <laughs> It's really remarkable. Um, you know, I think of uh, the one program, the lots of programs I love, but Yuna Kim at the 2010 Olympics always has struck me as one of the, the, the Gershwin Concerto in F, mm -hmm. I think it is. She didn't pick Rhapsody in blue. She The Concerto F is not used quite as much. Mm -hmm. And she did all that program with, and and skated to it. She was like a feather in the wind. I mean, it was just incredible. And she, when when the when the program called for her to be a feather in the wind, and and with all the pressure to be able to do that, it's amazing to me. Um, it, it's amazing. Yeah. To me. No, it is. But I'd like you know, I'd like to see much more, a lot more different music. You, one of you skated to Red Violin. You, right, Ashley? Yes. Um, and when Michelle Kwan tried that, for the, uh, I loved that. I loved that she. You know, that's it's not atonal. But there is a lot of dissonance in it, um, and I love that she took a gamble on it. Um, and and the program of hers that I still liked best, better than the the ones that got all the publicity in 1998, was Salome, because that music has been used in skating, but not that often. Yes. Yeah. So, and you know, um, we we all loved Nathan's winning Olympic program, and it's a nice Elton John medley. But I think he can, you know, I think Nathan, as we see him now, could do even more. Mm -hmm. um, totally agree. Yeah, I yes. think he's had more time on the show circuit. And that's really where you start to see, well, because you get that automatic feedback from an audience, right? And so even if you aren't, you know, musically educated, there is some kind of innate human understanding to music somewhat. And so when you see skaters go off and perform on the shows and, and, and tour, you're getting that direct feedback from an audience that really helps you understand what parts of the music people respond to. And it trains you how to push through music, when to give more, when to take more. So I totally agree. I think a lot of skaters in their retirement or when they take a step back from the competitive scene, get better because they perform in a different way. And Brian Boitano to me is the paramount example of that. Yeah. Brian was just beginning in that, Latin, a lot of people don't know that he was gonna skate to a, a, a total cliche of a, a Western cowboy piece, Hoedown or something like that at, okay. at, um, at the Calgary Olympics. And then Sandra got involved and gave him the Le Pat the Mayabir Le Patineur, which is a little bit of a cliche since it's the titles about skaters, but he carried it off so beautifully with that arrogant flip of the snow from his blade. Mm -hmm. And also <laughs> the, the Napoleon score, um, mm -hmm. which was not the more common Napoleon score. And, but then he took that. Brian was just beginning to get there, um, and and then he took that over the next twenty years on the show circuit to become just an incredibly compelling artist. And you know, Nathan told me back when I did a story on it on his um, substantial ballet training that he was able to be much more of an artist when he was younger because he didn't have to do seven quadruple jumps or five quadruple jumps or four or three or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. know that you know a the energy those jumps take out of you. B, the time required to set up for them and to come out of them. Um, so, you know, I think you know, this goes to another side of this discussion, but the balance between performance and technique has so heavily skewed toward 
sort of technical ability, mm-hmm. technical wizardry in the case of the Chens and the Hanyus and others like that, mm-hmm. that it makes it very, you know, even the best music doesn't, the skaters don't have enough time to interpret it. The, um, I mean, you have to take away so much time and energy to set up a jump. And that's just the front end, the the tail end. You're also going into a risky element. So then you have people who are also falling and that takes you out of the artistic side. It's just to get that many elements in and still have any kind of artistic component to it. It's very rare, if not borderline impossible to kind of give equally. No, I agree. And, you know, the, the, this uh, this debate has gone on probably for well before the new scoring system, of, you know, because Brian was doing and Brian Orso were doing triple jumps more than mm-hmm. one or triple axles, more than one triple axle in a program back then. And I'm sure people thought, ah, that's that's too much jumping. And I know people did think that mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. compulsory figures went away. So but, you know, what I say about taking chances. Dennis Ten at the 2013 World Championship skating the short and the long program to the film score from the artist. Yeah, genius. So good. Told a seven-minute story in two pieces. And he should have, if it weren't for Chanflation and a ridiculous hometown judging, he would have gotten what he deserved, which was to be world champion, which, I mean, it seems given what a horrible thing that happened to him after that. But, um, you know, it would be nice if that was also on his record. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but that was just an utterly compelling uh, performance. And it would be fun. You, know, you obviously can't do two of them back to back, but it would have been fun to see them, you know, Dennis do the short program. And then 15 minutes later, he come out and do the free skate um, as if you were doing them in practice, just because yeah. see, it, it worked still, even with a two day separation or a one day separation. Mm-hmm. I yeah. forget. But um, it was it just been a- cool to see that in a show. Exactly. It was just an absolute stroke of genius. Um, so what uh, I'm hearing is you're saying that Luna Hendricks skating to two Madonna programs is going to probably be on the same artistic Maybe the level artist as... of our choice, of our, <laughs> of our, you know, of our lifetime. Could be. I don't know. We're just throwing it out there. Who is uh, the artist of our lifetime? Luna Hendricks. <laughs> oh, I thought you may be saying Madonna because you could obviously my lifetime, not yours so much, but of your lifetime, the artists of your lifetime would be uh, Rihanna and Beyonce and Taylor Swift. I That's mean, true. The, tri- the trifecta, yeah, you're that, right. That is true. And you know, Phil, you brought up like that Unikim program from the 2010 Olympics. I it, it's a masterpiece. Program. I remember yeah. like seeing her do it in practice and just always needing to stop what I was doing in and just watch. It was Yeah, because you phenomenal. were training with her at that time, yes. right? Yes. And so we've established that there are some skaters that are like a feather in the wind and that there are some skaters that are like a brick on the street. But <laughs> what I want to know is that when a really good skater who does understand music, who who really can feel it, who's an excellent performer, and they go back to one of these war horses, do you ever change your opinion like let's say you brought up bolero what about carolina costner in 2014 what do you mm-hmm, think of that was my first thought yeah she's a great skater and a beautiful skater and what i remember about carolina costner is the shostakovich program and the dvorak Dumki quartet program, yes not me too. the bolero program yeah. so mm-hmm. i mean because you know you bum 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 that that you know the poundings uh uh syncopation of the shostakovich and I happen to love Shostakovich's music and also the Dumki Quartet, which has been used in skating before, but not very often. I think Carolina, you know, I loved her once she got out of the silly costume. I loved her um, her prelude to the afternoon of a fawn, which, of course, is a legendary piece of music. But, she, you know, 
people dance the same ballets over and over again. Mm -hmm. I get it. But one of the problems with skating is that you see skater, you know, generally a skater will do now one um, challenger series, two grand prix. If you're lucky, the grand prix final, the national championships and, and for the, for the very elite of the elite, the world championships. So you're hearing that same music over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you've heard that music over and over and over again in skating prior to a great skater doing it, um, it makes it just a little bit, you know, I hear the first few notes and I go, oh, no. I mean, if I'm not, if, if those skaters, when I go to a competition, if I really haven't seen them skate that program, and if I hear the first few notes of Carmen or Bolero, I really do go, oh, no. Um, so particularly the skaters who can do so much better. Totally. Is there a piece of music? Is there a piece of music that you know you're very well versed in so much classical music? Is there a piece of music that you think, why hasn't anybody used this? It's amazing. Like what? What's yeah, that? give us program ideas so that when Adam well, and I, I mean, both come out of retirement, because we are we going know what to, to. Skate to. Yeah. Ash. If I were going to skate to to two programs, I hypothetically, would, and is, yeah. Okay. Let's get. You're getting ready for your challenger. Hypothetically, I could skate two seconds without falling down. That's that's the reality. Uh, um, <laughs> if I were going to skate two programs, I would skate to one which no one less than John Curry skated to. I believe mainly as an exhibition. Copeland's Fanfare for the Common Man, which is as a short program, which also happens to be almost exactly two minutes and fifty seconds, which means you are getting an integral piece of music. Mm -hmm. The same thing mm -hmm. is true. With the swan, but Sanson's the swan from Carnival of the Animals. Again, that's been used a lot, but it's a beautiful piece of music and exactly, almost exactly between 240 and 250. I like some of the cutting is so terrible that um, that it, it creates just a hodgepodge um, of, <laughs> of stuff. I mean, even I, I really liked um, uh, oh, help me, Papa Dacus and Cicerone's Moonlight Sonata. Right. But the way it was cut is it's a little bit hard to take. Um, for the if you knew Moonlight Sonata, if you know the music, you can hear the cuts and it's jarring to you. Right. For yeah. for a long program, I would like to try um, the Vivaldi Double Cello Concerto, the the second move, the Allegro movement. The, uh, okay. Um, oh, Ashley, you you know that one. Why don't you sing the first few notes? I I, I can't <laughs> sing it that well. <laughs> Um, I listened to it again today. I mean, that's also happens to be just a share right at right at about four minutes. And mm -hmm. I like that because you're getting an, an integral piece of a, a movement, not the whole piece. Mm -hmm. and, and and I know there are there are people out there who are geniuses at cutting music and making it and making the cuts sound very, very smooth. But if you can find a, a piece of music that works in its integrity, why not use it? There's also, and I've, I've wanted uh, Jason Brown to try to skate this. There's, there's a um, Handel opera called Xerxes and the Largo, the slow movement is just tearfully breathtaking. And um, that would have to be cut. But, you know, I, someone like Jason or someone like you, I think, um, you, actually, your best skating, you were really great with your greatest programs, I think, were show programs. Um, oh, Moulin yeah. Rouge. Don't worry. I knew you weren't talking about me when you were suggesting <laughs> classical music. Um, because And some people are, are, are uh, do well interpreting um, abstract ideas. Yeah. And some people like do really well interpreting a story. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. It just means some people are better. No, know your strengths. Things. I think not um, enough skaters 
perform to their strengths. Right. I mean, I and I could if I if I spent you know I, sometimes I mark things down. Sometimes when I hear something, I say, I wonder why nobody has tried to skate to that, or I wonder why nobody has tried to skate to that. Um, uh, you know, um, w- w- there are a couple of Queen pieces, and I'm obviously uh, I have a lean toward Bohemian Rhapsody because my son did a great arrangement of that. Um, but uh, I mean that that could be would have to be dramatically cut because it's about seven minutes long. Mm-hmm. But I mean that I think that could be a great piece of music to use too. Um, did you ever see Roheen's? Uh, Adam, help me remember this. Yes. Roheen performed to, uh, it was like an eight minute performance and it was the entire piece of music. Oh, yes. It was amazing. Phil, I don't know if you've ever seen this program. We'll find it and we'll try to send it to you. It's, I mean, Roheen is just like um, incredible. One of the best. He is incredible. What Mm -hmm. what, what was the, what was the music? What was it, Ashley? This, this is, (laughs) this is out of my. Phil, your worst nightmare is Ashley's knowledge, but I am your music. worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll I'll look it up. I mean, Rohit's great. I mean, look yeah. what he's done. With Jay- look what he and Jason. Not what what he has done with Jason. Look what he and Jason have done together. Mm-hmm. Because you know, now that you've started choreographing, you understand that this can't be the choreographer. I mean, unless you're one one of these great old Russian choreographers who whacks people with a stick. Um, you, it can't be just the choreographer telling. Them, the ballet dancer or something, you must do this, you must do that. Um, or else, you know, what, what, uh, or else Putin will get involved. Um, we don't want bad. that. It's never good. It's never he's good when he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, something else just popped in and out of my head, um, which is not unusual for me at my age. Uh, things going on. Most of the, most of it doesn't pop back in. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's find it. Let's hear what it is. <laughs> but, oh, I'm a, you know, going back to Rock 2, the um, Mawasada skated that, mm-hmm. and it was unbelievable. Yes, I mean, because Mawasada, when she was right, was an unbelievable skater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just think she could have done. She, you know, I remember back in the day, Rachel Flat, um, Tom Dixon choreographed was when either 2006 or 2007. When I don't think Rachel, where I think you went to Worlds because Rachel was too young. That would have um, been 2008 Worlds, so 2007-2008 season. I think that that was, anyway, he choreographed a piece from a Brahms string quartet or a sextet. I don't remember which one it was. And it, it was just amazing. Um, and, and the you know, if you look at the chamber music, the library of chamber music, of great chamber music, it's limitless. I mean, mm-hmm. and also, and again, the library of good pop music is limitless too. One thing that, that I wanted to ask you, because you guys have, have skated into the modern arena era, the, it always strikes me that the sound systems in these buildings are so good that they overpower, they overpower me listening to the music. Do they overpower you on the ice? No, the louder, the fucking better, because I want to be drowned out. Feel, yeah, and because when we're in the, on the ice, like the music is, it, it, a lot of times the speakers are facing out to the mm-hmm. audience or they're up above us, so we don't get that big giant jolt of like vibration that you're feeling in the audience. It is much louder yeah. when you're watching. I also really like it because. In training, obviously, the sound systems are like four Bose uh, speakers that have been like taped to the ceiling. It's usually pretty dicey. And when you get out onto competitive ice, it's like these big sound systems. You can feel that bass in your chest. And so it makes competition feel different. And that worked for me. Mm -hmm. I liked it because it didn't feel like training. It felt like it was a bigger deal. Because I felt watching them from press seats 
that I was overwhelmed by the by the volume of the music. And it's not just because I'm old and I, and, and I, I don't like my music that loud anymore, because I do still like my music that loud. But I'm, it's interesting to hear you both say that it's better that way. And I'm, now I particularly understand because in training, you're lucky two Bose speakers were, you'd be lucky if you had two two or four Bose speakers. Some of people were probably playing that out of their iPhones. That's um, true. IPhones, so. That's very true. No, Adam and I are usually in the stands and we're like, they really need to turn up the music. We can barely hear it. Oh yeah. And you know so. that we were kind of dramatic too. So we'd be like, I can't hear anything going over to the referee, like <laughs> waving at our ears. Like we yeah. really couldn't hear it. Tanya thing. Harding, our greatest inspiration. Yes. Now, Tanya Harding, now, let's speak, speaking of Tanya Harding, when speaking she landed of- Axel, it was to music from from Tone Loke, and I, I, the lyrics were not, uh, were definitely not PG. Uh, um, <laughs> so it's a good thing there were no lyrics back then. But mm-hmm. I mean, no, nobody but Tanya Harding knew that. I had never heard of, I had never heard of Tone Loke until, but again, I, I'm out of the loop until she skated to it. But I thought that was just terrific. She t- took, t- just took a wild chance on something and turned out to be the, the performance of her career. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the greatest moments, you know, as a fan watching American figure skating. She's taken a while, a lot of wild chances. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Right. Some were some better, better than, than, others. than others. Yeah, some better <laughs> yeah, than exactly. others. Um, and, um, you know, I well, one thing I like, when you did your one ballet program, Black Swan, I liked it because it was Black Swan, not White Swan. Um, and and I would yes, like to say that was mindful. But at that moment in my career, someone was telling me to do that, and I said, "Okay." <laughs> but I also liked it because even though it's a little bit, you know, a little bit. What's the word I want? Um, of cheap overdone, overused. No, no, no. But I mean, I love the fact that you can move your arms like a swan, and that you, you can move your feet. The, the quick those little staccato foot movements you can, you can mimic a swan and yeah it's it's obvious it's obvious but it's still unbelievably effective thank you it's because i couldn't land a clean triple toe so but i that had was, to... i think that may have been my you that was the 2013 world championship i mean u.s championship 2012 2012 2012 i think that may have been my favorite program of yours plus the fact because it resonated because you'd had a struggle a couple of seasons before that and um all of them uh, <laughs> and 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 you came back with this great performance that was in San Jose, um, correct? Yes, that it was. was. Yeah, it, it was. was. San Jose. Phil, you are buttering me up, and you know what? It's working. Um, we actually have some questions for you, Adam. Yes, I. So now that you've um, we're obviously waiting with bated breath to talk to you about these things. So you mentioned like one of Ashley's favorite programs, and I want you to do me after this question the question is what's ashley's program that you liked the least now you I have can't wait. you have a you have a chance to let her know also phil phil i may have to go look at my list <laughs> I have to cut down my list um we have the thickest skin and you can't offend us this is all a good fun you know um i don't i i um i love moulin rouge i don't like people repeating programs so you that, know what? It didn't pay off for me, and I didn't like that, it in the end either. That would be a love hate thing for me. I <laughs> loved the fair. program the first time I saw it, and the five hundred like, times afterwards, you did it. It was like hip hip uh, hip hip chin chin. I mean, that program was perfectly suited for you, or you were perfectly suited for it. And I it, not the second time. No, I mean, I, sure, I, I or the third. The, agree. 
used Ruhan Yusuke to what to, to at least two of his short program, one the the uh, Chopin three times and a long program three times, and uh, and so you know th those are automatically the second time around. If it was really great the first time, the second time around, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I, I agree. As someone who does it, I think repeating programs is lazy, and I can say from experience, it's out of laziness. <laughs> no, it's also. I mean, I get that you could be injured too, and and it becomes very difficult if you're injured in, yeah, in that's true. summer that's true. or early fall. It becomes very difficult to try to choreograph a whole new yeah. program, unless, as we've said before that basically you're always doing the same elements to different music. So what the hell is the big, you know, what do you care what you're skating to? It's just that, beat that the audience up. eventually does care because the audience associates, if you if it's a great performance technically and a beautiful program musically and it fits together, the audience does care, even though maybe the skater may not care as much as the audience does. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to make me, I, I wrote down a list of all your programs, Adam. I'm shutting, I'm turning you off the screen off here for one second so I can look it up. Again. You don't want to look me in the eye when you say this. <laughs> no, I'll look you in I... the eye after I find the programs. I think I know which program I know it which one should is, be. The one it should be is when I skated to the Incredibles soundtrack. Yeah. I should have been banned. I like Carmen. Yeah, well, see, you did Who Wants to Live Forever and that's overdone. Um, you also did... One of my favorite arias from opera, Nessun Dorma, which ends mm -hmm. in I Will Win. That's been over. Yeah, and I didn't. I, loved, so. I actually love your Olympic programs. Great. Um, okay. Both, Good. Both of them. Wow. And um, I, I just, I like both of those programs. So um, uh, let me see what I'll, now I'm going back. He has here. a list did, of all the programs. Oh, the Barber, the Barber Violin Concerto is one of the most amazing pieces of music ever. So I had to have liked that. Um, I'm surprised other people haven't used it because it was it's beautiful, big, like, you know, it's swelling music. It's yeah. I was surprised other people didn't use that. What as, Adam, what year was that? It was like 2010. Mm. For some when I listen and I, I admit this is a prejudice for some people. As soon, if I hear a piece of music that I haven't heard or used a lot in figure skating, it happens to be a piece I really love. You've already got me in 15 in 15 seconds. You've got me. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Um, Note to the skaters. If you want to um, curry favor. Um, because I just, you know, I, I, I then want to see what you can do with it. I mean, the, the trick also with all this stuff is it's those are tiny little blades and it's very hard to stay upright on them all the time. Let me tell you. And so, I mean, no matter how beautiful a program you may have laid out and intended to skate, if you are if you are doing the famous human Zamboni program, it's not quite as effective. So, um, no, I did love your, I loved your Olympic year music because I just thought that it was, it was who you were and, you know, yeah. it was all part of a bigger picture about saying to the world, this is who I am. Oh, that's um, very sweet of you. Thank you. But I don't, I don't want you to keep showering us with comments. We really want to get to the nitty gritty here. I don't remember that the the in whatever the hell they were the uh, indelible exactly the point you don't re you don't remember but we want to we want to turn the page because you know you've been a journalist for years you're mm -hmm. one of the most respected journalists in figure skating we want to know what is if you can think of it off the top of your head what's one of the best interviews that you've ever had that you got off that call and you went wow that was amazing well, every time I got off a call with Nathan and and uh, could actually understood what he said because he speaks so fast, I consider that a victory. But he was always great. Nathan was always great on the phone, and I would always have to tell him, Nathan, please slow down. Even my recorder can't keep up with you. Uh, <laughs> no, he's um, 
the best interview I've ever done, huh? In figure skating. I had a lot of fun doing in, in uh, 1998 before Nagano, which was, you know, seven years after the Soviet Union had collapsed. I went to Russia and did uh, a story, basically a couple of stories that wound up being stories about the Russians who had stayed and the Russians who had left. So um, mm -hmm. Alexia Gudin, who had left, and um, the pairs who had stayed with Tamara Mostvina and in that awful old rink in, in St. Petersburg. And all of those interviews were good. The best one was probably, was this was a live interview, which is obviously much different. Uh, Alexei Hermanov took me to the house he lived in, in one of these Soviet, the ugliest Soviet buildings you can imagine, where he shared an apartment with his mom um, on the outskirts of Moscow. And the, the, the entire, the elevator, uh, elevator, the hallways, everything smelled of urine. And then, and there were, there were drug dealers not far away. And you got to the apartment and you could have eaten off of the floor the way that, that Alexei's mom had taken care of it. And and uh, just the the um the welcome that she, Chris Brennan did this interview together and the welcome that she gave us laying out all this food and, and uh, it, could, it just, you know, I was touched by it. Mm -hmm. um, also did a, I'm not a big fan of the Evgeny Pleshenko over the last 10 years, but I spent a long time when he was on tour um, in Chicago, we met and it was, I think the Ritz Carlton, which makes the story even better because he came from absolutely nothing and lived in one of these, uh, you know, had an apartment situation where, where, you know, the, the, there were not, there was not enough housing in the Soviet Union. So completely different families shared apartments you know, that have a bedroom and not you, you know, you would have a, your family have a bedroom, Adam, and your family would have a bedroom, Ashley, and then, and my family would have a bedroom, and then we would share a common kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just what he had come, you know, the whole idea of what he had come from w was just amazing. Um, I had a lot of really good times with, with Michelle Kwan, who was great to talk with. And, and uh, to me, uh, one thing I liked, I've loved so much about Michelle is that as great a skater as she was, what she's accomplished since then impresses yeah. me far. Mm -hmm. um, yep. um, uh, so, you know, I remember going, oh, she took me to a Lakers game um, and I got to see the whole star treatment. That, uh, well, that, that'll uh, make I a never, good interview. I've never been to a Lakers game at, at Staples Center. <laughs> and on the way she, on the way to the bathroom, uh, Renee Zellweger stopped her and said, I really like your skating. Renee recognized Michelle that's it's so just, cool. Well, recognized Renee. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I guess I've had a lot of good phone interviews, and and as the business became, as as uh, you couldn't travel as much, um, uh, I've had to do more phone interviews. But the live interviews are a thousand percent better. Ashley, you and I had a, when in New Jersey after you had come back. It was you were doing the Rockefeller Center tree yep. lighting thing, and uh, God, yeah. I remember I remember standing in that that the the locker room such as it was and just absolutely frozen at 4 30 in the morning oh and yeah we, we talked in the limousine on the way over and the limousine on the way back yeah we got you, stuck in traffic together yeah exactly well, you can you can just get something more from yeah. that um yeah. uh so you know i like uh you know i like people who are not uh, who are unafraid to say what they mean and both of you guys what they feel and both of you guys are, have been like that your whole career and i don't you know adam and you and i had some nice sparring matches and that was great because it, you know it showed because i don't certainly i don't have a monopoly on what's right and what's wrong and i love to be i love to be challenged 
because um, I'm not afraid to take the challenge and mm -hmm. uh, and you know and, and conversations as long as they don't become they can become animated with no animosity. That's totally. and I always felt, and yeah. I always felt you know that could be the case. So um, yeah, I've had a chance to do lots and lots of great interviews. Oh, I, oh, I went in 2000 and um, in 2001 when the International Olympic Committee picked its new president and also selected Beijing to be the 2008 uh, Summer Games host. I had uh, dinner with Irina Slutskaya in a, in a uh, sushi restaurant, of all things, in Moscow. And and, and uh, that was an incredible experience. She was very open. Her English was pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. um, I had a good interview with Yuna uh, at the cricket club where, where she spoke mostly English. But it always struck me that from that point on, she started speaking less and less English because I remember by the time of the 2013 World Championships, she was doing everything in Korean. And and um, she was very open about the pressure she was facing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, I, I guess I, I like people who are, you don't have to, I, I've often used this example, you don't have to tell me your innermost fear. I mean, uh, the, let me go, go back. Nathan Chen's book, the best thing about Nathan Chen's book is for the first time, I finally knew something about Nathan Chen and what he'd gone through. Nathan totally, kept yes. his, his life to himself. And he said that's the way his family was. That's the way he was. And I didn't know any of the stuff that he had gone through. I mean, I knew that obviously the stuff you could see in public, but my interactions with Nathan were limited to competitions and the occasional phone call. Mm -hmm. And you can't get to know somebody that way. But but if you're... um. If you do have a chance to to spend some time with somebody, um, you get to know them a little bit better. And the example I've always used is after the, she won the gold medal in, in Albertville, Christy Yamaguchi, who was still a very, very shy 19-year-old young woman, um, people who would not reveal anything about herself at, at that point, people, so she came over to talk to the U.S. press the next day and, and um we asked them, you know, the usual question, like, what did you do to celebrate? And she gave the this the perfect answer without revealing anything. She said, I go, got back to the village so late, the dining room had closed and I had to eat food off my teammates' plates. The new Olympic champion wins the gold medal and she's eating her friend's leftovers, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. um, and, and she told something else about the the program had a picture of of, of the uh, Olympic gold medal, what it looked like. And she said, every time I look, leave through that program, I'll flip the page so fast because I didn't want to see it and jinx myself. But there was always that, you know, in terms of interviewing, there was, there was always a way, people who are, who are clever at being on the other side of an interview can give a, a journalist plenty to write about without revealing what they don't want to reveal. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so but I mean, I, I've, I've had, you know, I've had because I've um, I've been around the sport so long and people know who I am. I've had very, you know, great cooperation from from most people. And, and once a skater retires, I, I like to think I try never to become anyone's friend during the time I was covering them, because, you know, what happens if they test positive for drugs and you're somebody's friend and you don't want to write that story? Right. A very common right. occurrence now from a Nowadays, certain part of the world. Surprisingly yeah. common. I mean, that was more in other sports than it was in figure skating, obviously. Well, so, figure skating felt left out. So we're trying our but, best to catch up. 
But I've tried to now establish it. If it's not a full friendship, at least it's a full acquaintanceship with people who I've who I've covered over the years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have one last question, Phil. I mean, I as a journalist, you need to make a lot of predictions or you need to, you know, you, you have to put in input your own sort of idea of what you think is going on. Have you ever made a wild prediction one that's happened and one that was so wild that never happened. Oh, I wish uh, I, I needed to be prompted for this one. Um, uh, I got you. Finally. Now I've sparred back. There you go. Um, <laughs> no, I, I can certainly not get things right. And I mean, in figure skating, it used to be a lot easier to get things right before the, before compulsory figures went away and before the new scoring system uh, went in, you could pretty much predicting wasn't very hard. Um, but now it's become a lot harder. I, I try to remember which wild one I, I am. Um, well, the, just the other day, I thought that uh, that uh, the U.S. runner Gabby Thomas was going to win the world championship in the 200 meters, and she did finish second. So, and and she was clearly not the favorite. But um, I can't think of one that I've made um, that was so wild because figure skating, it's rare when somebody came out of, would come out of nowhere. You rarely, I mean, you don't see that, you know, you see some things happen, but you don't generally see that gigantic upset. I'm mm -hmm. trying to think of, of um, Rudy Galindo, who was probably the biggest upset I've ever seen in all the years covering figure skating. Yes. Uh, be, um, you know, think, I mean, that was also one of the greatest moments I've ever in, in, had the privilege of watching and trying not to cheer because when I, no, I never cheered in a press box, but, but feeling so good for him internally, knowing yeah. what he did. But yeah, I mean, nobody, if you had picked Rudy Galindo to win the 1996 U S championships, boy, I wish you were picking stocks for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, <laughs> Phil, first of all, we just want to say thank you so much for being a longtime friend of me to figure skating. Uh, we have always loved your hot takes, and I really agree with you. I think that you can really have those conversations and bring out those fun hot takes and opinions and not necessarily have to have any animosity towards each exactly. other. So I, mean I think you've always managed that balance and... We, the skating community, appreciate you for it. I'm sure there are some skaters that won't agree with you about that, but um. Oh, if you well, asked me a couple years ago, Phil, I wouldn't be saying this. But being on the other side of figure skating, I see now that it really does. Uh, there's just a whole other side to skating that when you're an athlete and it's your life and it's everything, it's you know a tough pill to swallow. But those those opinions and that honesty, it's important to kind of give that perspective. I mean, when you talk about honesty at the 2017 World Championships, you were stunningly honest. Um, well, when you're that bad, you kind of got to say <laughs> you were bad. <laughs> uh, well, we want to thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, your opinion in the sport is so appreciated. And it's been a joy being able to work with you on the other side of my career. And I'm sure for Adam as well, uh, it's really cool to hear your perspective and honestly hear stories like the ones that you shared with us today because you were there for that you know those big moments and that's just something that we're all really lucky to be able to experience through you and what's impressed me is that you you've both transitioned out of it and still in it in your case to some degree adam mm -hmm. and you 
Les Ashley, although you are teaching people the joy of skating in a different way. Um, so uh, I just think that it's great that you've transitioned out of it and found other ways to express yourselves. And I want to congratulate you on the on the uh, impending motherhood. Thank you. Yes, thank you. They will not be a figure skater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, but I, I will more. put them in music class. I did have one more thing I wanted to say. I asked a very, very eminent instrumental musician who's a friend. I said, you know, I was talking about figure skaters never seem to get tempo. And what, you know, what is this? And he said, you know, I've conducted, a, I, I'm sorry, I played in orchestras a lot of, for a lot of ballets. You play a tempo for ballet dancers, they dance whatever tempo they want. So it's not just figure skaters. <laughs> good to know. That's okay, actually good. good to know. It makes us all feel better. Yeah. I feel like less of a monster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Phil, thank all you right. so, thank so you much. Thank you for having me. We'll have thank to you have you back. Me. We'll have to have you back. I'd love yeah. to come back. Maybe sometime when the season gets underway. I'm, yes, absolutely. Somebody, uh, somebody who was very involved in the sport asked me yesterday, are you excited about this season? And I kind of uh, didn't know what to say. Um, because uh, <laughs> much, much as I believe that the Russians don't belong in there, without them, it's a very different sport. It's true. It's true. Um, and, uh, you know, and certainly those who are breaking the rules definitively don't belong there. I'm 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 uh, the over under on on uh, the the Valieva decision is I think may beat the 2026 Olympics by a month or two, but I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, that's just it's just crazy. It is crazy. Um, Same. <laughs> well, Phil, thank All you. Right. We love thank you. you. Thank you so yeah. much. Have a great rest of the afternoon and evening. Thank you, Sarah. Um, Thanks, Phil. We we'll chat talk. soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was an amazing interview with Phil. And one thing I did learn is that he does want to cut costs if he was ever a competitive figure skater by never getting his music cut. I did. That was a big takeaway I learned. <laughs> no edits. I, I learned that U.S. figure skating needs to hire him and bring him into Champs Camp for his metronome exercise. I feel like we'd all benefit from that. Totally. Yeah, that's a good idea. I had no idea he knew that much about classical music. That was kind of amazing to listen to. Can you imagine me in a car with him and he's talking to me about classical music? And this was also like many, many, many moons ago before Adam choreographed a classical program for me. And I was in panic the entire time. I'm like, I'm going to blow it. He's going to know. <laughs> I'm going to blow it. I don't it. know anything <laughs> about classical music. And, and I don't think he knew don't. until today. And I still don't. <laughs> now he knows. There but was you, a lot you guys can't see, but there was a lot of smiling and nodding from me throughout this entire podcast. I think I think after they heard you think that Sonia Henney had eight Olympic titles, I think they could feel the nodding. <laughs> there was a the lot of laughing nods. from me while I was on mute. I laughed my way through that conversation. <laughs> so uh. Um, well, as we work into September, we have the Challenger Series starting up, which is really exciting. We're going to mm -hmm. get to see our first little preview of this season, see some programs out there fresh and brand spanking new. Which we love. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in the next few episodes. Um, skating season, it's here. It's time to get ready. We're, we're, it's just a drum roll to the Grand Prix. We're ready. We're ready. ready. I'm ready. So, because we're ready, we're going to go. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. On the run -through. On the run-through. <laughs> 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 no, no.
no, we'll let's just leave it there. That was good. That's cute. <laughs>